game is over, the New York Jets are the world champions. You play to win the game. He's got it! That's a Jet touchdown! Can't wait! You're listening to the official New York Jets podcast, a Jets 360 production. What's up, everybody? Ethan Greenberg and Eric Allen back here in the studios of the official Jets podcast. This week, EA and I talked to Eric DeLala of DenverBroncos.com. Talked about a number of things, offense of the Broncos, defense of the Broncos. Last Monday against the Chiefs, of course, the Broncos and Chiefs squared off. Monday night, so the Broncos are on a short week coming to MetLife and just kicking things off here. Finally, the Jets get an opponent on the yeah, short week. Yeah, exactly. Huh? But I, I was going to say, oh, my God. I mean, I, I know we're talking about Jets-Broncos here, but uh, let's talk a minute here about Patrick Mahomes because that, that was crazy just watching him on Monday night going about his business, and that was the first real test of adversity he had. And unfortunately for the Broncos, they came out with a loss. He's an unbelievable talent. Uh, and I think we knew that when he came out of Texas Tech. Uh, we also got to pump the brakes a little bit, even though he, he is so exciting to watch, is that he's five starts into his NFL career. But uh, he can do some things that uh, very few people probably ever in the history of this league can do in terms of he has crazy arm strength and he can throw from all sorts of different angles. And his mobility against the Broncos and their elite pass rush, obviously led by uh, Von Miller, it, it was something else. It was a game changer. It was there a lot of times I thought Mahomes was dead to rights, and then he gets to the edge, and not only is he looking to tuck the ball under, he's looking to load the ball down the field, and that was his impressive. Uh, I don't know how many touchdown passes he had early in the season. I think it was some kind of it crazy was like, it was number. Ten in two games, and he had one against the Broncos. But as far as a coming out party, Monday Night Football, that was pretty good. Okay, real quick here is what do you think about his nickname Showtime? That I thought, I, I don't know if it was a Monday Night Football nickname, but does it seem forced to you? No, I I don't think it's you like forced. it Showtime Mahomes. I didn't say that. I said it doesn't seem forced. I thought Booger McFarland. <laughs> Said it on Monday Night Football. I didn't know anybody else. Uh, Twitter took it and ran. Oh, yeah. Uh, No, listen. Uh, I'm not caught up in the nicknames. I would just call him a stud right now because (laughs) he's playing like an NFL MVP, but there's a lot of season to go, and he didn't play last year. But, yeah, he's a wild talent. I mean, how can you not watch the guy and be like, wow? Yeah, it was was definitely very exciting to watch, and I want to pluck out with what you said about Von Miller and the Broncos pass rush. Obviously, Von Miller is one of the elite pass rushers in the league. And we actually talked to Eric DeLala, of course, about Von Miller and what makes him unique. But you mentioned Mahomes' mobility. Yeah. How helpful is it going to be Sunday for Sam Darnold? The book on him coming out of college is that he makes plays off script. And I'm not saying he's going to throw with his left hand like Mahomes did, but how beneficial will it be and has it been through the first three weeks four weeks now excuse me for Darnold to be able to extend the play with his life it's always beneficial but not a lot of guys in the NFL are going to be able to outrun Von Miller I think the Jets have to have balance I mean I know it's not sexy because 
Winning the National Football League is all about throwing the ball. I get it. But the Jets have to be balanced. You can't fall behind double digits like they have in two of the past three games and then get the balance you want. And against the Broncos, if you're down double digits, that means they're sending the NFL's top pass rusher against your rookie quarterback every play. So it's not just going to take, it's not just on the tackles, Calvin Beecham and Brandon Schell on every play to take care of Von Miller and uh, Bradley Chubb and Shane Ray and company. You're going to need help from the tight ends. That means personnel packages. You're going to have to be multiple in your personnel, and Jeremy Bates will continue to do that. You're going to use two and three tight ends at times. You're going to need your backs helping out with chipping. Bilal Powell is one of the greatest backs in the National Football League in terms of blocking. Isaiah Crowell is going to have to do that as well. Uh, it's going to take a village uh, to contain these guys, um, but I do expect the Jets to have a much better performance execution-wise against Denver. Whether that leads to a win or loss, we don't know, but they are going to play better than they did in Jacksonville. I totally agree with that, and you mentioned multiple tight end sets. Well, that's something we've seen throughout the first couple weeks from Jeremy Bates and the offense. Maybe Neil Sterling will come back from his concussion yeah. injury. We will see, but as It was now, too bad last week against Jacksonville Green. Yeah, that would have been a nice If we story. think about that... Uh, uh, everybody's talking about Darnold and a lack of throws uh, down the field. Well, the Jets did attack down the field. You didn't get the completions on the third and one to Paul and then fourth and one to Nunwa or the Robbie Anderson throw in the fourth quarter. But the one we forget about, too, a little bit, and I think you reminded me of here early this week, was Darnold hit Chris Herndon down the field where the Jets would have been first and 10 from inside to 15, but that came back. I mean, it was only a crazy penalty. catch, first of all. Yeah. The yeah. catch was, it was, it was bobbled about or was in the air about three times before Herndon right. brought it down. But I, I thought you were going to say it would have been nice if Neil Sterling were active for last game because Sterling was drafted by the Jags and it would have been a, a nice no, nice version of a homecoming. Well, that would have been nice, wrong. too. I was wrong. It would have yeah, been I, nice, too. But I thought you, you were going to say something else. Yeah, but yeah, re- regardless, is now the Jets move forward now to the Denver Broncos, the first game of a three-game homestand. And to learn a little bit more about the Broncos is we sat down with Eric Delala of DenverBroncos.com, and here's the interview. All right, time to bring in Eric Delala of DenverBroncos.com. Eric, thanks so much for joining us. Again, a friend of the pod, coming back in 2018. Yes. Nice to be back uh, in back-to-back years. Well, luckily for us, the Jets and Broncos play back-to-back years. Last time, it was an ugly game for the Jets in Denver, but this time you're coming east to MetLife Stadium this Sunday, and this is a very different Jets team, a very different Broncos team than last December called for when these two teams met up. So just off the bat here is from your perspective, what would you say the biggest difference is about this Broncos team compared to when these two teams met up? Yeah, that uh, that game last year was one of the few bright spots for the Broncos in a 5-11 and season. And I think if you look at what's changed, the Broncos just have some more talent. Uh, Keith Keenum came over from Minnesota to be the quarterback. Hasn't yet had the season he'd like, but uh, I think he's definitely an upgrade there. And then this draft, this 2018 draft class, you got Bradley Chubb fifth overall. You got Cortland Sutton, a wide receiver out of SMU in the second round. You got Royce Freeman, who uh, is tied for the rookie lead in uh, rushing touchdowns. 
You've got Josie Jewell, who's playing some a lot of snaps at linebacker. You've got Philip Lindsay, the undrafted guy from Colorado, who's uh, scored a couple touchdowns and is kind of taken over this Denver community. So I think if there's one big change, it's that this team has more talent to work with now. And they kind of were infused with young talent after the draft, and those guys played a big role on Monday night. Uh, against the Chiefs and keeping the Broncos in that game. Was that by design, the overhaul and that offensive backfield that the Broncos are featuring those two rookies and Philip Lindsay and Royce Freeman? Yeah, you know, I think the Broncos moved on from C.J. Anderson after last year. He had a thousand-yard uh, rushing year, but the Broncos decided to, to part ways with him. You brought Royce Freeman in from Oregon, who had a ton of carries in college, but was really productive. You had Philip Lindsay, who I think they see as a Darren Sproles-type change-of-pace guy that can really uh, break open a game. He's had some long runs. I think overall the strategy, though, is in the, the past few years, it seems like they were drafting on potential, on talent. This year they really took guys who were proven in college, team captains. They wanted guys that could come in and be mature and contribute right away. So I think you see that kind of playing out in the backfield where Freeman and Lindsay have been really good through these first four weeks. Um, Devontae Booker obviously kind of coming in as a third down back to catch balls out of the backfield. But I think that that strategy applies throughout the entire draft class. Of, hey, John Elway said they need guys that can contribute now in order to take this team from 5-11 and 11 into a team that can compete for a playoff spot. When you look at the stats, someone that, uh, honestly, I was surprised when I was looking at Broncos stats is Demarius Thomas only has like 100-some yards through four weeks, so... Is he just – how would you describe his role in the offense? Do you think that he's getting a little more coverage? Because Demarius Thomas is one of the better receivers in this league, and has he just not popped off yet? 8.4 yards of reception right now, yeah. Yeah, I think he uh, he struggled in Week 2 against Oakland, had a couple drops uh, in key situations, but then came back really strong uh, in Week 3 in Baltimore and then played pretty well last night. You know, two plays kind of stand out to me in terms of those those yards not being where you'd expect. One, week three in Baltimore, Keenum found DT for 40 yards down the middle of the field that would have moved the Broncos to the Ravens' 11-yard line. That probably changes the whole complexion of that game. That was called back because of one of many holding penalties that week. Um, the second one, last night, as the Broncos are trying to drive for a game-winning touchdown, is Demarius is wide open down the, the right sideline, and Keenum isn't able to hit him. If he catches either one of those passes or both of those passes, the way we view him this season probably changes drastically. I think Keenum uses him right now as more of a security blanket. He went to Demarius on a key fourth down uh, last night in Chiefs territory right before halftime, kind of spun around, found Demarius, who extended across the line. It was a really heads-up play. Um, so I view him as kind of like that the security blanket right now, while Emmanuel Sanders, to me, is more of the big play threat. Uh, you know, he's coming across the field from the slot or or outside and kind of making those catch-and-run plays, um, a little bit of a faster guy. So, And then you've got Cortland Sutton, the rookie, who is kind of the deep ball threat, jump ball in the end zone. But I think Demarius still fills that role of if there's a key third down, if you need to pick it up, uh, or if you just need some key yards, I think he's, Case Keenum is looking to Demarius Thomas. Um, it just might not be for the chunk yardage plays that we've seen in the past. Eric, how's that offensive line holding up? They rushed the ball pretty well against the Kansas City Chiefs. Um, Keenum hasn't been down too many times, but if I'm looking at this matchup from a Jets perspective, I think they got to make hay with the defensive line here. 
Yeah, the offensive line so far I think has been improved from last year, and that's not tough to do because they gave up a ton of sacks. I think 52, uh, if I'm remembering correctly. Hasn't been that sort of an issue this year. Keenum has been pressured. Part of it is that he knows when to get rid of the ball, uh, which has helped them. And I think also you've had Jared Valdir come over from Arizona. He's been an upgrade at right tackle. Fortunately, he went out on Monday night with a knee injury. Uh, didn't break anything. We'll see uh, based on an MRI soon what, what's going on with him. Uh, but Billy Turner came in, played pretty well uh, in relief there. And then on the other side of the line at left tackle, you've got Garrett Bowles, who was the first-round pick in 2017, 20th overall. Uh, he's he's had an up-and-down season. There was a drive uh, on Monday night where Bowles, I think, he let up a sack and on the very next day, had a or very next play, had a holding penalty, mm. and all of a sudden the Broncos had to punt it back to the Chiefs. Um, he did kind of rebound from there, didn't give up any more sacks, which was nice to see. The Broncos made a switch where offensive coordinator Bill Musgrave went up to the box and uh, their offensive line tackles coach, Chris Strausser, went down to the field to kind of work with Bulls. They made that ahead of the Monday night game. It'll be interesting to see if they kind of keep that the rest of the season, um, if that if they thought that worked well. But, yeah, I agree with you. The offensive line is, is where things start. The running game has been really strong. They've been, I think, very good at creating a push. You've got Connor McGovern, Matt Paradis, Ron Leary. McGovern's a really strong guy there at right guard, and they've kind of been clearing the way. So if they can keep doing that, I think the run game will be successful. But it's all about can they stand up to that pass rush, give Keenum a little bit more time, keep him comfortable, because that's really been the difference between those interceptions, those touchdown throws, kind of the, the on-point passes versus the ones that get away from Keenum. Now, b- before we dive into Von Miller and, and the edge rushers and the challenges those guys present, just watching the game, and, and I haven't broken down any film, but just watching the game to get ahead in the studies here with the Broncos, I was impressed with the speed and the athleticism and the tempo that Broncos defense played with. Yes, they gave up a 10-point lead in the fourth quarter, but I point to largely the magician who is Patrick Mahomes, and Greens and I will talk about this later. Uh, Listen, that guy could be a star in this league. Uh, With that being said, this defense still looks solid to me, Eric. Uh, What do you think? Yeah, I mean, you talk about Mahomes there, he's... He's throwing it left-handed. He's converting second and thirties. It was just, you know, even as uh, someone who works for the Broncos, you just kind of, kind of shake your head and say, "Man, that guy, he beat us." Um, but in, in terms of the defense, I think you're right that they're still solid. And this might seem weird in the wake of a loss, but I think that was their best defensive performance mm. they've had so far. In that they covered Travis Kelsey really well in the first half, and he did end up with seven receptions for almost 80 yards in the second half, but. One of those was a big chunk play, and it didn't hurt the Broncos as much as it could have. I think the Chiefs were held to a field goal there. Um, But to me, that was one example of the Broncos have just been decimated by tight ends over the last couple years. They really haven't been able to cover cover that position. And in the first half, as the Broncos built a halftime lead, Travis Kelsey didn't have a catch. Um, So that was impressive to me. Obviously, a group effort there among the safeties, Justin Simmons, Darian Stewart, Brandon Marshall, Todd Davis, Josie Jewell, all those guys kind of getting involved. Um, and then the other thing that was impressive to me is after a week three loss at Baltimore, Chris Harris Jr., um, who's the Broncos' number one cornerback, came out and said, we got to disguise our coverages more. Offenses are coming out there, and they know exactly what we're doing, and they're just they're driving it down our throats. And so he said, that we need to change something up. Head coach Vance Joseph agreed with that. And what really impressed me was that wasn't just talk. You could tell 
this week against Kansas City that they were disguising more than they had in previous weeks. There were times where it looked like a receiver was uncovered almost, and then at the last second a safety would drop down or a corner would switch it up and a corner would prepare to blitz and a safety would rotate back. And they were really not giving Patrick Mahomes a look at what they were going to do until two or three seconds left on the play clock. And I think you saw it. Mahomes only threw one touchdown, and he had those really great drives in the fourth quarter. But prior to that, he really struggled. You know, he only had that one touchdown pass. The Chiefs only put together 13 points through, uh, what, 53 minutes of the game. Um, And I think that comes down to Joe Woods, the defensive coordinator, Vance Joseph, finding a way to, to mess with that defensive game plan and get their best players in a position where they could succeed. I know EA wants to dive into Von Miller, but just one more thing on the secondary here is you talk about Chris Harris Jr. and the guys behind him like Bradley Roby and the ageless Adam Pacman Jones is how different is the secondary without Aqib Tlaib and how do you think that they've been performing minus Tlaib who's now a part of the LA Rams? Yeah, I think you're always going to miss a player like Tlaib just because he could do uh, so much for you, obviously. You know, he's in the top five all-time for pick sixes, and he, he kind of brought a, a swagger to the to the back end of the defense. But I think last night could have been a turning point um, in terms of how this secondary is operating. Uh, they didn't look great the first three weeks, lots of communication breakdowns. They were playing too soft off uh, wide receivers. And, you know, Vance Joseph said, hey, we're a press man team. We're going to rush the passer, and we're going to, press those receivers at the line of scrimmage and not let them get off the ball because if we can give Vaughn a couple seconds, it's going to be too late for that opposing quarterback. It seemed like they got back to that last night. They didn't give up any big plays uh, to Tyreek Hill on Monday Night Football. They held Travis Kelsey in check. And I think those guys beneath Chris Harris Jr. that you mentioned, Bradley Roby, Adam Jones, uh, they're really the ones that need to kind of take that step. You know, I think Bradley Roby's played pretty well in his first year as a, a starting cornerback, really. Um, Joe Woods has said many times, Roby just needs to be consistent. He sometimes looks too much to make that big play um, that he could afford to try to gamble and make when he was just a nickel corner. Um, and then Adam Jones back on the field this week uh, after missing a week three game against Baltimore. And I think they really missed him, you know, 35 years old, you mentioned. But he's still playing decent football, and he's a guy that they need to rely on because behind him, You've got Tremaine Brock, who they signed in the offseason, but he's been hurt, hasn't contributed as much as you might have thought uh, if you're a Broncos fan. And then Isaac Yadam, a third-round pick from Boston College. Looks like he's got the, the talent to eventually do this, but as a rookie, he's just uh, he's struggled a bit, and it's going to take some more time for him, I think, to, uh, to get ready for that. So one thing that Chris Harris Jr. mentioned was he's just got to figure out who the third corner is because it's changed almost every week. And so that's hard for him from a communication standpoint to make sure that the secondary is doing what it needs to do. Uh, but I really think that that Monday night football matchup with the Chiefs, the flashes that they showed in terms of shutting down some of those plays, making quick tackles at the line of scrimmage, and then disguising the defense showed that this defense might have turned a corner. Yeah. Eric, uh, Von Miller, is he better than ever? He's got four sacks. I know he didn't have any sacks uh, recently a- against the Chiefs, but he was all over the place. And how is his new partner in crime, Bradley Chubb from NC State, the Broncos' first-round pick, how's he fitting in? Yeah, I think Vaughn is the, the same Vaughn as ever. And what always impresses me most about him is, you know, he comes off after a game 
like Monday nights, and he didn't have any sacks, but he was he was all over the place. Pressured Mahomes on that that uh, left-handed throw that I mentioned before. You know, he he had Mahomes by the by the shoelaces, and that's almost a huge sack. It probably wins Denver the game, um, but that's not good enough for him. He wants to make those strip sacks. He wants to uh, to force Mahomes to throw a big interception, um, and he hasn't been able to make those plays the last couple weeks. He uh, had three sacks in Week One against Seattle, and that was and two forced fumbles. That was as good as I've seen him since Super Bowl Fifty. Uh, just truly a performance where he took over the game. Um, had another one against Oakland, but he's he's been held without a sack the last couple weeks, and so it'll be interesting to see if against Sam Darnold he can kind of get back to impacting what the quarterback does. Um, but he's just, I mean, he's just so dangerous, and you've got to reckon with him on every play. And something that's helped him, and certainly showed through his sack numbers. The first couple weeks was like you mentioned Bradley Chubb, um, who picked up his first full sack against Baltimore in Week Three. He's been really good in the red zone, especially helping to stop the run, helping to contain things. Um, he's shown flashes. He's a different guy than Vaughn. You know, Vaughn is that speed guy that can bend at what seems like impossible angles and get by uh, tackles. Whereas Chubb seems like more of a, a power guy. He's more like a Khalil Mack-esque type player. Um, you know, if, if there's one play that you can just say, hey, Bradley Chubb's got a lot of potential and played really well but can always get better, it's if you look at that Mahomes play where he threw with his left hand. If Bradley Chubb is able to kind of set that edge there, Mahomes isn't able to get away to the sideline, and then Vaughn probably brings it down. So I'm sure the coaches are looking at that this morning. Um, definitely room for improvement, but Bradley Chubb has really helped Vaughn get back to the player uh, that the Broncos need him to be. And then they've also got Shane Ray and uh, Shaquille Barrett. You know, Shane Ray, a former first-round pick, hasn't lived up to uh, expectations recently because of a hurt wrist, but he's still got big play potential. Shaquille Barrett, an undrafted free agent, uh, has played well for the Broncos. So, I mean, that's probably still the strength of this defense is that edge-rushing unit. Final question for me here, Eric, is that in regards to Von Miller, and you might have talked about it a little bit within your answer there, but when you look at him, and I'm watching the Broncos game, and over the course of his career, it, it's very striking to me that he's not like the Khalil Mack type. He's not He's not a huge monster. But what if you could boil it down to one thing and kind of like in a, in a nutshell, what makes Von Miller so unique and so special, and how is he able to get after the quarterback week in and week out? Yeah, you just you can't touch him. Uh, and I think that's what's so hard for offensive tackles is just when it seems like Von's getting close and you uh, – you have an opportunity to get your hands on him. He bends at some impossible angle and is by you. And the next thing you know, he's taking the ball away from your quarterback. And, you know, Vaughn has been talking a lot about this new roughing the passer emphasis uh, by the referees. And he said, you know, I try not to land on the quarterback because I'm trying to take the ball away from him. And that's how he avoids that. Um, I had the chance to go down with him to uh, Branson, Missouri this summer to his pass rush summit that he hosts. Uh, and, you know, Bruce Smith was there. Um, and Warren Sapp was there, and they, they all shared these secrets, and it was kind of interesting to watch. You know, Vaughn's already got all these, these tools in his game, and seeing him pick up more moves from these legends, uh, it was fun to see because you knew it was just going to make him more dangerous. Um, because I think when he gets in the zone like he was in Super Bowl 50 or like he was in Week 1, and he's coming off the edge and moving at those impossible angles, you just got to kind of throw up your hands if you're an offensive coordinator because it's really almost impossible to stop him. That is Eric Delala of DenverBroncos.com. Eric, thank you so much again for joining us. Have a safe flight over, and we'll see you Sunday. Thanks, Eric. Of course, yeah.
Hoping for a good one. Great having Eric back on the pod. Two years in a row, I think that he's officially a friend of the pod. I don't know if you should have said that to Jets fans because last year the Jets went out to Denver. What, you're saying he's a bad luck charm? I don't know. I think he's a good man, and I think he's very informative, and we can call him a friend. Friend but, of the pod. But I don't know if we want to tell people uh, yeah, many had, times that he was fair. on last year. But, but to be fair, last year the Jets went out to Denver. I mean, Josh McCown broke his hand in that game, so another bad bad mojo here. They, now they now were, I'm bringing it up in my head. They were shut out. Yeah. Yeah, maybe I should just keep my mouth shut. Well, <laughs> that'd be tough to do on the pod. But now the Broncos come east, and like uh, we didn't mention it with him. Here's the, here's a the point, and this will factor in. I think the Jets got to jump on the steam early. I'm not saying they got to get a 14, 17 uh, point uh, first quarter lead, but they got to get something positive happening to get the crowd involved because right now Jets fans are anxious. They're ner- they're nervous, they're upset. Their team is on a three-game losing streak. But you have an opportunity to get back in the mix because you got a three-game homestand and Denver just played an emotional battle where they had a 10-point fourth quarter lead, couldn't hold on to it against a freakish performance from Mahomes and company. And now they have a short week, and they're coming here, and they're going to play the early yeah. game. And sometimes the ten, the ten a.m. game for well, it's eleven. I think 11 right? Is there yeah. mountain, Pacific, mountain time? Pacific time? Yeah. No, not they're, Pacific Mountain time. Yeah, yeah they're, right. they're mountain time. So, so eleven a.m. game. So this is not an easy one to prepare for for the Broncos, right? And you factor in that typically when you're going from the West Coast to the East Coast, you travel a day before. You typically travel because if it's a Sunday game, like, for example, Jets-Jags, the Jets and the team fly down on Saturday for a Sunday game. But correct me if I'm wrong, last year when you went to Denver, you traveled on a Friday to get acclimated to the time, and it's a longer trip. And the air. And the air. We Obviously, New York doesn't have the altitude factor, but if the Broncos then fly on Friday – that really only lives Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday for preparing for the Jets. And I don't know how much practice time they'll really get in because it is a short week and they just played Monday. Well, it, they'll get it's their, a tough task. They'll get their typical Wednesday, Thursday, Friday. I think it impacts the coaches a lot. You're going to have your rest day on Tuesday. They'll get to work and, and things like that. But uh, what jumped out to me from that interview from Eric is that Running with some rookie running backs there yeah. in Denver. And they feel that Case Keenum, despite the numbers, the numbers aren't gaudy. Three touchdowns, six interceptions so far this season. He's a veteran who kind of stabilizes things back there. They're in a better shape at the quarterback position than the last time we saw this. No doubt. Club. And uh, last thing here on the Broncos, before you want to get to anything else, is that their last 11 road games, they are 1-10. and 10. The one win coming against the Indianapolis Colts, who did not have Andrew Luck at the time. Take it for what it's worth. Every year's a new year. Every game's a new game. Just putting out some numbers there for you. But it, it, it's going to be. I think that you're right when you said that this Jets team is going to come out laser focused, and that jumping on the Broncos early, who have a short week, who had a tough loss Monday night. I think that will be imperative for the Jets, but. They got a well, good, they got an opportunity here. Three well, games at home, opportunity. But you, but you got to handle Denver first, and 
you know, on paper, I, I would call this an even matchup. You're playing at home. You got a two and two Broncos team coming in. Uh, they definitely have some quality players, but the Jets have some quality players too. And they just did not play up to their standards, especially defensively. I think you're going to have bumps on bumps in the road offensively throughout the year. That's going to happen. You got a rookie quarterback. I was encouraged by Darnold saying after the game that I'm seeing the field better. I'm seeing defenses better. And he did take some of those shots. And they're bound to hit at some point. But uh, I really think Green's the Jets are going to have to have success moving the football on the ground. And watch 2-9. I think Bilal Paul could have a big game. All right. There, there's a little sneak preview of EA's fearless predictions on pregame central which will be 11 a.m with Anthony Becht on Sunday and uh, any any closing remarks here you want to throw out a little college football or something or you know I don't know if you're what? watching a TV show or what whatever whatever you want to do I have not seen that was the first Monday night game I uh, obviously we had a good pleasure good fortune of working Monday night uh, Jets lines but I typically don't watch Monday night games. I will say, Monday night football, that was an entertaining ball game. It kept me up all night. And part of the reason was, obviously, the Broncos are the Jets' upcoming opponent. But, um, yeah, so as far as TV is concerned, I watch that a little bit. I'm not binging on any shows. Some days I wake up, I don't even know what day it is. Uh, (laughs) College football this weekend? Uh, you got to look at Texas and Oklahoma, the red, what do they call it, the Red River shootout or something like that, and look for Texas to bring an upset. How about that? And Who's spe- Texas playing? Did you playing say- Oklahoma. I thought, yeah, okay. I thought you said Texas Tech, Oklahoma. No, 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 Texas, Oklahoma. So I would ask you, since we're speaking about college football, are you all right after your, <laughs> your Syracuse yes, Orange yes. went down to Clemson, had an opportunity to win a double-digit lead in the second half? But unfortunately, yeah, I'm okay. the Clemson Tigers escaped. Yeah, I, I'm okay. I mean, you better hold. It Dino. was. It was a. It would have been a game that really I think Syracuse should have won, especially given that Trevor Lawrence got knocked out. Obviously, I hope he's okay. But when seemingly the third string quarterback, a week removed from kickoff, yeah, is playing the game and leads the Tigers to a comeback. I mean. That, it should have been a game that Syracuse won. Syracuse is going to win a lot of games this year because they're better defensively than they have been in the past. They have a very good college quarterback in Eric Dungy. And, oh, by the way, here's some advice for you and all. I, I think I know what you're going to say. All Syracuse alums. You better keep Dino Babers Yeah, around. I know. I know. I, I, I really hope he stays. Do everything you can to keep this guy. Yeah, he's, I, he's a winner. I'm totally on board with you. <laughs> but but that's all we have here on the official Jets podcast. Again, Jets Broncos, 1 p.m. from MetLife Stadium. And stay tuned for next week. You never know what's going to happen. <laughs>